It's time for the Josh Kirby on Sports Podcast. On this edition of the Kirby on Sports Podcast, the NBA and NHL are set to return to their seasons at the end of this month. We'll have a little bit more MLB schedule talk. Plus, from the NFL, Patrick Mahomes in his record-breaking contract and the Washington football team's name change. All that, plus my interview with Jeff Carpenter from the Netflix documentary Last Chance You. All that and so much more. But before we begin, we would like to thank our brand new sponsor at Regroup Building Services, specializing in custom homes, remodels, additions, and so much more. If you're looking for a new place to call home or just need repair on your current home, look no further. Regroup Building Services has you covered. Make sure you check them out today at www.regroupbuildingservices.com. Once again, that's regroupbuildingservices.com. We do the honeydews that your honey don't. Make sure you tell them Josh sent you. We are also sponsored by PM Plus Reserves, now expanding their territory to serve the I-81 corridor from Hagerstown, Maryland to Stanton, Virginia. All right, it's time for another edition of the Kirby on Sports podcast, starting right now. you connected this is dave johnson voice of the washington wizards you have connected to the right place because you are listening to my man josh kirby on sports podcast all right episode 81 of the kirby on sports podcast as always we're part of the mayo please podcast network we're proud to be sponsored by regroup building services and pm plus reserves um joining me back again uh constant contributor great friend dan dembski uh dan it's good to hear from you we have a lot of we have a lot to talk about today how you doing sir doing well man just hanging in there trying to survive without sports it's been difficult um well yeah by the looks of things it might be coming back sooner rather than later maybe so man i don't know there's a lot uh a lot left to determine. Obviously, baseball and hockey and basketball are uh, supposed to start soon. So cross our fingers, we can get something back because uh, we need something, man. It's just been it's just been really tough. Yeah, I I know the feeling, but I'm not really keeping my hopes up because I I have a feeling if these sporting events are to happen, and then COVID. positive covid tests run off the chart i think there might be an issue and they might have to shut down again before finishing the season so i i I mean 
I I'm not gonna believe it till I actually see it. I'd love to have sports back, but it's like, you know, is this really gonna happen with everything that's going on right now? Yeah, there's a lot. Uh, there's a lot of stuff to, to sort through, and I think I said that the last time I was on the podcast. There's just this whole COVID nineteen has been a lot of unknowns and just unfamiliar things. So we're all sort of learning and trying to trying to get more information as we go. So uh, hopefully yeah, we so- can, hopefully we can get through this and and start to make a make a bigger thing out of it. So and try to get back to normal with sports. Yeah, I'm. I miss it, man. It's been it's been difficult without it, and um, I, I can't believe it's been you know four months now without sports. It's just just insane. Bro, yeah, I, I've missed it a lot too, and I I'm hoping we get this back under the right circumstances and with this virus fully controlled. So, without further ado, let's hop right into it. Uh, the NHL announced hockey will be returning August first. Uh, they're going straight into the Stanley Cup playoffs but with a little bit of a twist both the eastern and the western conference will have round robins to start the stanley cup playoffs putting a little bit of a twist on things um i didn't really understand it at first but my good friend robbie gross over at the um sports on the hill podcast he explained this rather perfectly so um i i'm sort of gonna explain this to the best of my knowledge, um, there are four teams in the round robin, the East and the West, and each team plays once against each other. That just determines seeding. So the round robin, you don't get eliminated from the playoffs. After the round robin, it's traditional playoff format with each team um, every round, so on and so forth, like a regular playoff. But after each round is determined, then the playoffs get reseeded. So Mm -hmm. it gets reseeded each round till I assume we get to the Stanley Cup final. So putting a little bit of a twist on things. So, um, Dan, first off, do you like the round robin idea? Because I feel like in my mind, the round robin puts extra unnecessary strain on the teams and what if somebody gets injured on ice or something during the round robin in these games that just determine seeding and they won't have hypothetically they won't have that player healthy for the real thing well i um i i like it more than i dislike it i think um it gives teams an opportunity since the season wasn't over uh to possibly you know play better in this short amount of time and have a higher seed in the playoffs. Um, you know, like I said, I, I think if the season had been over when all of this started, this would have been a lot easier. Just, you know, put the playoff bracket out there in this, in the seeds that they were in when, when all this started, but that makes it extra difficult, you know, um, it's, um, it's definitely interesting. I don't know if I've seen something like this as far as the sports league um, is concerned. So, um, I think it's a good thing. I, I think keeping in mind injuries and things like that, you make a pretty good point with that. You're playing, put a lot of extra strain on players, giving them a lot of extra uh, games here um, as we wind down and try to make our way into the playoffs here. But I, like I said, I think it's a good thing because there really wasn't a solidified playoff seating. 
uh, things could have changed most definitely um, when the when the season uh, ended still, especially with the Eastern Conference. I feel like there, that was a lot more um, up for grabs, um, higher edge seeds, um, and a lot of teams fighting over playoff positions. So I think this is a good thing, and um, I like it, and I hope – I hope other leagues – I'm not sure what the NBA is planning to do with this, maybe something similar, or maybe they're just going to go ahead. I think they were feel like they were closer towards the end of their regular season, um, but it was probably around – actually probably about the same time. So um, we'll see what happens with, with the NBA, but I think other leagues will see this and, and say that, you know, it's th- this could be something, you know, we could see for the future. If Hopefully there's no, nothing like this ever happens again, but – um, I like it. I think it gives, like I said, it gives teams an opportunity to prove um, their worth and their higher seating. And, um, you know, it'll it'll really separate, you know, the the best from the great teams, I think, more, more than anything else. Yeah. So it, uh, they're called the Stanley Cup qualifiers. It's the first 10 days in August. And the, there's a really, really great chart. Um, I forget where I found it. I believe it was on Facebook. Yeah, it was on Facebook mm-hmm. via Robbie Gross on Sports of the Hill podcast. Thanks again, Robbie. So um, games per day, they have it listed out in a nice spreadsheet. So yep. they're doing a total of 52 games in nine days with August 10th being the day off. Five game, five games each the first two days, and the rest of them are six each. So it's the round robin in the best of five series for the, you, you know, it's the round robin and then that. Then I'm assuming afterwards you go into the next round regular style. So, right, yeah, I, it, think, it def- I think that's the plan. Yep. Yeah, yeah. So I, it definitely puts a twist on things, but. I, I think like you said, like it's gonna solidify who's gonna prove their worth, who's mm-hmm. gonna make it big. But you know, with this sort of restart playoff, teams are probably pumped up, fired up, ready to get on the ice. So it could be anybody's Stanley Cup this year. Yeah, absolutely. I think I think this makes the field more wide open. Um which makes the last couple of years an interesting, maybe like something we don't talk about as much, especially last year with um, all those teams that, you know, advanced so far in the Stanley cup playoffs, which was like, how, how is this possible? So we could see that again this year. And then maybe even some some more crazy things could happen. So um, I, I like that. I like playoff drama. I think it, um, especially now, not only having playoffs or some sort of sport at all, but to be able to have teams, underdog teams, have you know more of an opportunity to to move their way up and and uh, and to like and like you said and like I said to prove your worth and and show that you belong and show that you can make a run at the Stanley Cup um, Stanley Cup, <laughs> then um, you know that's that I think that's the ultimate goal with this and I I think it's I think it's a great idea and I think I think it'll work out well. Yeah. So um, the section Toronto. In Edmonton, surprisingly, with um, you know, the hub cities and whatnot. Yeah, you know, I'm very surprised it's in Canada, but because I thought they had different rules, but I guess they're playing up there. But one thing I saw was hilarious. There are hotel assignments, and I saw the Eastern Hub teams in Toronto. They have 
two hotels, Hotel X and the Royal York. The Royal York are for is for excuse me is for everybody who has is not in the round robin. Hotel X is the teams in the round robin plus one more. So you have Boston, Tampa Bay, Washington, the Philadelphia Flyers, and the Pittsburgh Penguins. And you could just, I could just see the responses on Twitter to that. And I just thought it was hilarious. <laughs> yeah, that's interesting. You're putting all the teams in one, uh, in, in one hotel there. Uh, hopefully there's not any, you know, hockey fights in the lobby or anything like that. So hopefully everybody yeah, keeps their w- distance and, and does, does what they're supposed to do. Um, or they, there might be some uh, fines and suspensions coming that way, but that would, that would certainly add to the drama. Imagine televising a, a, a hotel lobby uh, hockey fight. <laughs> oh yeah, it, it, exactly. That would be very, very interesting. So Dan, before we move on to the NBA, touching on the NBA, um, uh, I talked to Jason Kamlowski, uh, mm-hmm. of prospects live about this, the, um, MLB 60 game schedule. I sort of want to get your thoughts on this because that being that you are an Orioles fan, you are facing new competition. You'll be playing the Nats and the rest of the team teams in that division five or six times instead of other teams within the league. So what, what are your thoughts on the whole MLB schedule? It's interesting um, to, to say the least. It's, it's kind of cool that we get an opportunity to, um, you know, to play some teams that we really don't get to play that often. And, um, you know, so for me, I think that's pretty cool to see players that you don't really get a chance to um, see um, especially in the NL East and other divisions. So um, it's exciting, I think, in a way. I, first of all, I'm just excited baseball will finally be back. That's going to be a relief. I've been waiting and waiting and waiting for that to return. So um, it's cross our fingers that everything stays the way, well the way it's supposed to stay and, and, uh, and everything turns out. But, yeah, I like it um, because I think there's a certain – Cat and mouse game when you when you have a team when you play a team that you're not used to playing that often um, and you're you're facing a pitching rotation and uh, certain players that you're really not used to going up against so I think that adds to another um, that adds another layer to it I think in a way you're not just seeing the same old same old players and and managers and teams and I think stadiums too even though there's no fans um, but um, I like it. I I think it's I think it's a good idea, and I think it might be a sign of things that could come possibly. Um, you know, we could see maybe Major League Baseball in the coming years start to reduce the schedule and add more um, out of division or out yeah out of division games and then out of uh, league games too. I think that's um, I think that's a good thing in the long run, and, and you, you get an opportunity to really you know, experience baseball in a wider scope, I think, than just playing strictly American League teams and maybe a few National League teams sprinkled in like you would in a regular 162-game season. So overall, I think it's, I think it's a good thing, and I think, um, I think it adds another element of 
I guess of like a new sort of feeling. You know, you know what I mean? Yeah, it adds sort of like a spice to it because you're not facing these opponents every single season, you know? Exactly, exactly right. That's what I was trying to say. I couldn't find the words, but you did it for me. So thank you. <laughs> and the universal DH, that adds a whole mm-hmm. different element. What are your thoughts on that? Uh, it's it's about time, I think. Uh, it should have should have been a thing long ago, but I'm happy that it's universal DH now across both leagues and um, that'll also make it interesting too. What, what the National League team? Who, who, you know, what players represent the National League teams? Um, who do they choose for their designated hitter? Um, how does it work out? Is it good from the beginning? Do they have to sort of figure that out as they go? I think that's going to be an interesting storyline going into this season, among other things, uh, on top of all the other junk we have going on. But um, yeah, that'll certainly add another element to it. And um, you know, you may may see a different strategy than you would from a lot of National League teams. Yeah, it, I, I think this season is all about strategy, like I was talking to Jason about um, how they're going to manage players. Is starting pitching going to be a factor, relief pitching, DH? You know, with 60 games, it's more of a sprint than a marathon. Exactly. Exactly right. Um, especially with a shorter season, you got to get things sort of, uh, figured out quickly and this and with all the new rules especially with the universal dh and things like that um and just players having you know four months off when you know spring training normally get leads right into the regular season um are we gonna who's gonna start off cold who's gonna start off hot i mean that's gonna be a big thing moving forward too yeah absolutely so um let's move on really quickly touch on the nba the nba restart starts on July 30th with um, a handful of teams. Most of them were set to be in the playoffs. Some a couple games out, I'll list them off. The Celtics, the Lakers, the 76ers, the Brooklyn Nets, the Grizzlies, the Suns, the Mavericks, the Heat, the Blazers, the Nuggets, Bucks, and Kings, the Spurs, Pelicans, Rockets, the Pacers, the Thunder, the Raptors. Um, you got the Jazz, the Clippers, the Washington Wizards, and the Magic. So, uh, how it's going to work, they have eight regular season games across the board, then um, into the playoffs. So, eight-game regular season in Disney World. So, everything's done in Disney World. They're having – they actually I saw actually a picture on Twitter, like floor, practice courts getting put in – a convention center down at Disney World or the Disney that's down in Florida. I get the two confused, but yeah, yeah you know what Disney I mean. World. Yeah, you said it right. Yeah, but but still, they're laying practice courts in a convention center, which I thought it was mm-hmm. was really interesting. So every team is down there in Orlando, and they're going to be competing for the NBA finals. So well, once again, I think it's an element of, you know, a- anybody can win this finals because it's a restart. I feel like it's the same with any league starting back up into the playoffs or something like this, you know, but um, I feel like there's going to be an element of surprise on who can make it. Who knows? Maybe the wizards who, haven't mm-hmm. been doing the best recently, can make a run and finally win a championship. That'd be crazy, but, I mean, 
you know, that, that stuff that could happen. Yeah, it's possible. Yeah, I, I like what you said there, and I think playoff drama is what um, is what I saw in several articles. Um, it's similar to the to the um, NHL thing where they have sort of a play in, but it's differently. They're actual, you know, they're actual games, eight games ahead of time that are a little more organized, I think, and a little less confusing than the NHL's plan. Um, but certainly, I mean, you you could have a team that you know barely scrapes into the playoffs, and you know that can make a run to the, I really think to the finals, it's, is it likely probably not. Um, but I really do believe that we, we can see some surprise teams, Josh. I think you make a really good point with that. And that's, an, that's what I think this playoff um, system really adds an element of, I mean, we, like you said, surprise um, drama, you get to see more teams participate, which the wizards would not be participating um, usually, <laughs> but um so that'll be interesting to see that. So I, I, I just think it's just going to be a curious thing. Like we're all going to wonder who's in, who's out, who surprised us and who didn't surprise us, you know, as in who dominated, who we thought would dominate and all those questions will be answered. But um, I like this a lot. I think it's another cool idea that the NBA came up with. And, you know, I just hope that all these leagues, you know, they can, they can, have the proper COVID-19 um, precautions and keep players healthy. That's the number one thing. And yeah, um, absolutely. And hopefully all, all, you know, players stay healthy and they're able to play and fans are able to enjoy. I think that's the number one thing here. Absolutely. So pretty much that's the rundown of all the leagues that are coming back into play uh, end of this month, beginning of August. So no holds barred. We'll get some sports back, and Kirby on Sports will have you covered. Let's move on now to the NFL. Um, the NFL announced a couple weeks ago that the Hall of Fame game has been canceled. Mm-hmm. They're potentially going to reduce the amount of preseason games from four to two, which I agree with because I think they announced the- that already. Yeah, I think they're doing that. Yeah, so I I mean four preseason games was way too much to begin with, especially week 4. That was when nobody you uh, names you haven't even yeah. heard of We're show up. Yeah, right. exactly. it, like nobody's in the stands. It's like why do we have a week 4 preseason? So I like that. Um yeah. it still seems to be that the NFL is going to be on time. They will be starting their season on time. Let's hope it stays that way, but it's going to be really interesting to see. But so far, they've canceled the Hall of Fame game, and they pushed the enshrinement of the class of 2020 to 2021. Yeah, that's that's interesting too, but I, I'm glad they did that because it's you want to really do it in all fills, all with one fell swoop, you want, you want to get all that in one weekend. Um, and those players who made it to the hall of fame deserve to have a proper weekend. So I think that's the right move. Um, also, I, I think canceling the hall of fame game was probably a great idea uh, too, because I mean, it's quite the spectacle every year. You have a lot of people coming out um, and they really, the, the event wouldn't be the same without fans or without people, spectators um, seeing it. So I think that was a smart move on the NFL's part. And, you know, here's another thing for the future. I mean, 
reducing the preseason schedule, which should have been done, like I said, years ago, um, similar to, you know, uh, Major League Baseball trimming their season down. I think, um, I think this is an opportunity for the NFL to trim the preseason down to two games permanently, I think, um, is really the best thing to do. You know, the first, the first week you see, um, um, you see all the, you see backups and things like that. And in the second week, you start to see more starters. I think, I think that gives a good enough time. I just think, like you said, there's just too many, there's just too many weeks. I mean, you have four weeks and by the fourth week, and you have a guy who is signed undrafted free agent who gets cut the next day, um, who is on special teams. You get to see him a lot. So um, I think it's important that they do that for the future, but I think the NFL so far has made the right decisions. Um, and like I said, similar to Major League Baseball, the NHL and the NBA, safety and health is the number one priority here. And, you know, all this stuff is great. And um, reducing the preseason and all of those things and trying to look forward to the regular season, whenever that, um, you know, hopefully by then we have knocked us down a little bit, but we'll see. You never know. Um, that's They're going to be obviously monitoring players' health the entire time. So. Um, I know I kind of went off on a tangent there. I'm good at that. I apologize. Um, <laughs> but I do, I do like the shortened preseason and I do think the NFL has made the right move so far. Um, and I think right now they're set, setting themselves up for a successful season, barring anything with COVID-19, which no, nobody can speculate what's going to happen with that. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. But, um, uh, 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 sort of sidetracking here. Um, the NFL did mention something about adding an another regular season game to uh, like nine, 18 weeks in a season. Yeah, 18, but, um, yeah. yeah, with two pre uh, preseason games. Do you like that idea? No, um, I'd rather have more games at the end of the season. Um, take away the two preseason games and add them so more teams have a shot at the playoffs. There was also discussions of them with that plan doing, um, and I, I actually think it's supposed to start, if uh, not this season, but next season, I think, or they're trying to get it started by then, um, where they have one, uh, two extra seeds total, so one for the AFC and one for the NFC for the playoffs. I think that's fine. I think there's a lot of teams on the bubble each year that just miss out on the playoffs. Um, on a wild card spot or something like that. Um, so I'd be fine with that, but I, I think right now the less preseason games is better. Um, really. I think, I think player, I think players know uh, if they're going to get cut or they're going to be uh, signed to the practice squad or whatever in the pre in the preseason and part of the preseason. And then especially in training camp and things like that, uh, which start a month before really the preseason even begins. So, um, you know, I I don't like that plan. I don't like adding more preseason games. I do like adding more games towards the end of the season to give teams an opportunity to make the playoffs um, because some teams just get hot late, and that's when that's when those last couple games added on to the end of the season could make a huge impact at yeah. the end of the day. So, um, yeah. But but what do I know? I'm a schmuck. So. No, you aren't. You're you are an expert in the eyes of Kirby oh. on sports. Well, you're too kind, but thank you very much. Yes, yes. 
<laughs> all right. All right. Let, let's talk some big business here. Patrick Mahomes and the Kansas City Chiefs, they just won the Super Bowl. So this money Patrick Mahomes well deserves. A lot of incentives, a lot of everything. The richest contract in NFL history. Patrick Mahomes and the Kansas City Chiefs, 10 years, $503 million. Heck, that's a dollar sixty a second. Ninety-six dollars a minute. Wow. Un- unreal. And I-, I mean, Patrick Mahomes deserves this contract. He came in after Alex Smith left Kansas City for Washington. That's another story. But they drafted him. They took a chance on him. They ended up winning the Super Bowl. And Patrick Mahomes is like a machine. He has done great things at the quarterback position and $503 million really says a lot uh, from the chiefs about what they think of Patrick Mahomes and he's locked up long-term. I, I really like this move. What about you, Dan? Uh, yeah. I mean, it's hard to find a better quarterback right now in football. Um, not only was he great in, and not only has he been great in the regular season, you talk about, this past season, he had 26 touchdowns and five, only five picks. Of course, the year before when he won MVP, 50 touchdown passes and 12 interceptions. Um, but n- not only was he great in the regular seasons, uh, but he was also great in the postseason. Um, you know, they lost in the AFC Championship game in 2018, but he had three touchdowns and zero picks in that playoff, in those playoffs. And then this past year when he won Super Bowl MVP, 10 touchdowns and, and two interceptions in the postseason. So, I mean, he's all about production. Um, and if there's anybody I think that would have deserved this kind of contract, it's Patrick Mahomes. Not only what he can do, you know, with his arm, but what he does with his legs, too. Um, he is he's unbelievable. He had, you know, two touchdowns on the ground uh, this past season, two in 2018. Um and, you know, he he's just very efficient, Josh, and he, he can do it in any way. And I think it's hard to find a more well-rounded player than Patrick Mahomes. Um, I think he's worth the money. I don't know if long-term this is good for the Chiefs or not. Um, quarterbacks, as we know, are, you know, the, playing in the NFL in general, injuries happen. Um, He's been able to really – he's only been a starter for two two years, two full seasons. Um, but he really has been able to avoid getting injured so far, which is fantastic. He's a great player to watch, and um, he really doesn't take too many unnecessary hits, mostly thanks to his great offensive line. Um, but I just don't know for the next 10 years, you know, this is – the Chiefs are given a lot. The Chiefs are giving a lot of money for him. Um, you know, you just said a dollar. What is it? A dollar sixty a minute, something like that, right? Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, that, that's insane. huge. It's insane. Um, I've never seen anything like it. It's 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 basically a baseball contract. Um, <laughs> it's basically what you know Mike Trout will make. Um, probably in the next. Well, I don't know. He's not on a crazy crazy contract yet, but. Um, 
Well, well, if I can just um, interject just for yes, a second, please do. Please this do. Was, this was actually the largest contract in pro sports history. Yeah. Um, and they lined up some names: Pat Mahomes, ten years, five hundred and three million dollars. Mike Trout had a four hundred twenty-six point mm-hmm. five million dollar contract. Canelo Alvarez, a three hundred sixty-five million dollar contract. Yeah. Bryce Harper with a three hundred. $30 million contract and John Carlos Stanton with a $325 million contract. And might I add, uh, you were talking about injuries. There is a $140 million injury guarantee in yeah. Patrick Mahomes' contract. Yeah. Um, good points. Good points. And I mean, and like, like I mentioned, all those contracts are baseball contracts. So this not only changes sports contracts, which I think, at large, it does, but it changes NFL contracts. Uh, you're going to see guys like Russell Wilson and Lamar Jackson, um, among other players, say, hey, look, we've been productive for our teams. Um, Russell Wilson. Where's my money? Yeah, where? Yeah, show me the money. Like like the, the scene from Jerry Maguire, um, that's what these players are going to be saying. So uh, that's going to be interesting to see, too, especially if one of those players wins a Super Bowl. Um, in the next couple of years, I hope it's Lamar Jackson crossing my fingers, um, but they're going to get paid big, big time money. Um, but, you know, that uh, 10, 10 years is a long time. Um, there isn't really an opt out with NFL contracts like there is with other sports. Um, but, you know, I, I, the Chiefs are, are really risking a lot here, Josh. I mean, think about, you know, think about their their receivers think about their roster now um you know Tyree Kill I mean he's he's going to be gone probably they're not going to be able to pay him they're not going to be able to afford him most likely um and what about his one of his favorite targets Travis Kelsey you you think those two guys are going to want big bucks um in in the coming seasons and who knows who else um a, a lot of their other players I think would be willing to you know be paid less I really do. Um, but those two guys that have really just been a huge part of the Chiefs offense, they're going to want big-time contracts, and the Chiefs are going to say, look, we can't. We got all our money in this guy, and he's he's the quarterback of the future, and he's here for 10 years. So you got to take a hike, I guess. That's what they're going to have to tell, tell these players. That's a really good point uh, because uh, I feel like it's sort of – yeah, it's sort of not putting the team in a good position because they have all this money tied up in Patrick Mahomes. Mm-hmm. Because like what like what if Tyreek Hill or Travis Kelsey wants a buttload more money and they can't give it to him because they're tied up with Patrick Mahomes. Yeah. Exactly. So that that that's a great point there. So in the next couple of years, if that happens, yeah, I, I don't know. But if that plays out in a way where the Chiefs have to let a really good player go, then, you know, I, I feel well, like quarterbacks should get compensated well. But in the respects of Patrick Mahomes' contract, I think it ties up way too much money. Well, and the NFL, the way it works with the salary cap is, it makes it difficult to have one high-paid player and still have a solid team. Um, that's why you see someone, and this has been a common example, 
uh, the Patriots with Tom Brady for years and years and years, you know, would, would reject a big sort of, this big sort of paycheck that he probably rightly deserved. He won six freaking Super Bowls for him, you know? Um, and, you know, the Patriots were always able to build around Tom Brady. That's what it was always about. Um, building a team, not just, not just having one player. So I think that really, just, it really puts a chokehold on the chiefs spending in, you know, for the next 10 years. Um, so, and not even looking at the defense. I mean, you have some great players on defense, Chris Jones, um, one of their one of their best defenders. Um, he's the one that stands out to me. But it, how about the uh, how about the honey badger, Tyron Tyron Matthew? I mean, he's yeah, he's really um, he's really stood out there. Of course, he's always been a great player. So um, among other players across across the board, they they have a lot of guys who are sort of under the radar players, which I think helps them certainly. Um, but then you have guys, like I said, like Kelsey and Tyreek Hill, who they're, they're going to want big paychecks and maybe Sammy Watkins too, who really has, you know, revitalized his career and and found a new home in Kansas city. Who knows? Um, who knows what his future holds? So I think, like I said, this puts a chokehold on the chiefs for the future. It's a great contract for Patrick Mahomes and he's well worth the money. Um, I just, I'm not sure about the, 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 the time of the contract, the ten-year contract, is quite a long time for me, and I, I'm I'm not a fan of the time. I think he's well worth being the highest-paid player in the NFL, um, which now he's got the richest contract of all time, and it's it's by at least a hundred million dollars, not even close, like you said earlier. So I'm not a fan of the ten-year period. I think if you sign him to five or six years, maybe seven at the most, you're giving yourself more of an opportunity to win, but with 10 years, it's either going to be um, – you're either going to see great things happen with this team or you're going to see turmoil. And uh, really it's just a flip of the coin as to what, what will happen in the, in the next 10 years with the Kansas City Chiefs. Yes. Yeah, so a fun fact about this contract. By the time Patrick Mahomes' contract is up, the New York Mets will still be paying Bobby Bonilla. <laughs> Oh my God! Unbelievable. That contract's it- still insane to me. The Bobby Bonilla contract just to get sidetracked for a minute. My goodness, I so, like this goes to show you deferred money goes a long Terrible. way because Terrible most idea. of these most of these players want the money now, you know. But well, if you probably, get the money deferred. Yeah, if you get the money deferred, then wow, you're getting money well after you retire. In Bobby Bonilla's case, yeah, but I, you have to look at how they spend the money too. I mean, if maybe someone like Bobby Bobby Bonilla has done a good job of not going crazy. Plus, he knows he's going to get that money every year, so that's always a nice comfort to have. <laughs> have the have the old bank account get hit once a year with that huge amount of money. Oh it's that, that contract through what 2031 or something or 2032 yes it's something like that yeah it's past it's like you said it's past the mahomes contract but it's it's it, within the next two years i think of that still insane it's still insane yes sir so patrick mahomes the richest contract in nfl history um let's talk about one more thing 
um, an issue that started around 2014, now recently came back into light. This might actually happen to Washington Redskins and their name. They're possibly changing their name. It looks more and more of a greater chance like the Redskins are going to change their name. Um, this started back in 2014. People are like, the Redskins' name is racist. Dan Snyder was like, yeah, we're not changing the name. But nobody big was involved. Now you have big-time shareholders. They're sponsored FedEx. And they're telling them, change the name or we're pulling out. We're buying out. We're, you know, and like not sponsoring the team. FedEx threatened to remove all their signs if the Redskins didn't change their name. And there are reports like Dan Snyder's getting pushed out or something. Still, it has to be to Washington. All the turmoil, bad luck. But this Redskins name change, um, I mean, I feel like we've been prone to it yeah like what's the word i'm looking for like they've been around for so long we've gotten like used to the name but i mean some people think it is racist i've heard some native americans on the news uh back when this first started saying like no i don't think it's racist but apparently some people think it's racist um being a redskins fan i mean i i i didn't really know or anything like that. I, I mean, I ju- it's just my team. But if if their name decides to change, if they decide to change the name, uh, I feel like there's going to be a lot of history that just gets forgotten about. Like the Redskins-Cowboys rivalry with the Redskins' new name. Like, there won't be as much as excitement as there was when the Redskins were the Redskins if they changed their name. There hasn't been an excitement with for that rivalry in at least ten years anyway. So what you know, what does it matter about that? You know, I I I, I understand where you're coming from and I, I know there's a lot of tradition and there's a long, long time, you know, since nineteen the nineteen thirties that the team's been called the Redskins, but you know, times change. Um this the logo itself I think is you know, I, I can't speak for people who are Native American, but to me when your team is, you know, literally called the Redskins, I mean, and the logo is a Native American, I think, I think, I think that needs to change. Um, I really do. Um, and this is a new tweet from Clarence Hill Jr. Um, and it says, per Charles Robinson, and, and this was four hours ago, a name change for the Washington football franchise is imminent. Teams have Teams have been told to scrub the old racist logo off their platforms. Robinson says a new name change could be revealed in the next few days. Um, so it, it's it's bound to happen. Now, whether the Dan Snyder stuff, you know, whether he um, is pushed out or not, he's not he's not gonna he's not gonna sell the team and he's not gonna leave. He's Dan Snyder. He's got too much arrogance about him. I think um, <laughs> just walk away or sell the team. You know what I mean? Um, so I would be very surprised if he he does one of those two things. Um, but I think it's time for a change. I think, I think this 
whole movement is, is a good time to do it. And there's a lot of good names going around there. Um, so we'll see what they come up with. I, I, I really, I really like the red tails. I think that's a good, I think that's a good solid name. And I, I disagree that people will forget about the history of the, of the Redskins franchise. I mean, you're talking about 80 years worth of history where, um, you know, at least back in the nineties, they used to have a good team and people, people alive, there are many people alive that remember how good those teams were. Um, and, you know, we have film to prove it. We have tons of footage and things like that to look at. So, you know, this, this isn't an issue of forgetting the history. I, I think that's, I think that's a little, little silly to be honest with you. Um, and, you know, I, I think it's time for a change and I think this is a good time to, to reevaluate what the name of the team is. And I'm kind of glad that, uh, that it's all happening the way it's happened. I think, FedEx and other sponsors have handled handled this the right way. Um, you know, they've said, "Look, look, look at your team name and see what you can do about it, and 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 make a change for the better." So, I I, I think it's a good thing. Yeah, yeah. A lot of things went into me saying um, the history will be forgotten and stuff like that. But like, uh, look at all the Redskins legends, you know, and with this new team name. How are they going to remember? How are people going to remember legends who played for the Washington Redskins once they change their name and stuff like that? That's just what I think about being a Redskins fan. Uh, so uh, I know you might have differing opinions yeah, on that, yeah. but still, still, how are they going to honor what the Redskins were back in the day with this name change? Look. The, the the team name doesn't matter. We still have the name Washington attached to it. We still have the city where, well, well now they're in Maryland, but we still have the city where the majority of, you know, those great moments came from. That that doesn't change anything. Now, if they had moved or something and they had changed not only the, you know, and they had changed the name, then that'd be a different story. I, I would be willing to agree agree with you on that. But they're not moving. They're still in Washington. Well, not they're not, in, again, they're not in Washington which is stupid to me anyways. They shouldn't be in Maryland. They shouldn't be in Landover, Maryland. They should be in D.C. or they should be in a, a neighboring suburb. Anyway, that's another rant for another day. Um, they're, they're not moving. They're not going anywhere. So the Washington name is still attached to them. And, and the, the people aren't going to forget their history. Um, they're going to they're gonna find ways to look back on what the Redskins accomplished um, and, and things of that nature. And they're, they're, they're going to keep the num the names retired and the numbers retired and, and the ring of honor and things like that. All that stuff's going to stay the same. They're not going to remove that. Um, I, I don't even know if it says Redskins there anyways. Uh, I haven't been to FedEx field in a long time up where they have their ring of honor and things like that, but n none of that stuff's going to change. They're not, they're not erasing history. They're just, they're just changing a team name. They're changing a mascot for God's sakes. It's not that complicated. You know, I, 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 I understand where you're coming from and I, I think you make a good point, but, um, you know, we just, it's, it's, it's just, it's pretty simple at the end of the day. It's not that complicated. So people are trying to make, make more out of it than I think there's there. So, um, we'll see what happens. We'll see what happens, but I, I would be shocked if they, you know, they're, if they if they forgot who their players were, they're not, that's it's just not going to happen. You know, 
Yeah, and I think it's sort of a marketing scheme in a ways because if they're if the reports are true and they're going to come out with a team name back in the day since Nike, since Walmart, since Target took every Redskins apparel down, all their apparel, no more Redskins on any of those sites. Um, if that happens, how much revenue are they going to get from fans updating their gear the amount of redskin stuff yeah. i have in my house is ridiculous and well, if they change the name that's gonna put a hurting on people's bank accounts well you don't have to buy the, the new team's gear and that that's another thing too um i have a feeling they will do a thing where you can trade in uh maybe, maybe not obviously not jerseys or higher priced item items but t-shirts and things like that redskins t-shirts and they'll they'll exchange with whatever the team new team name is. I have a feeling they might do something like that because teams have done that before. Um, there, there's no way you're going to be able to tell people, you look, you can't wear a Redskins jersey. You can't wear a Sean Taylor jersey. You can't wear, um, you know, a Mark Brunel jersey, which I don't know why Mark Brunel was the second player I thought of. Uh, <laughs> but oh Todd, my Todd God. Collins. No, I'm just kidding. Todd, Todd Collins. Um, but, the, you know, the, <laughs> They can't tell people you can't wear a Redskins jersey because jerseys are a lot of money. You know, you you're right about that. I mean, you're talking a hundred, hundred fifty, sometimes two hundred dollars for a for a stupid jersey. So, um, you know, they're not they're not going to be able to tell people you can't wear them. Now, if if they do that, they have to have a plan in place where they can sort of trade out uh, whatever jersey or whatever shirt or sweatshirt or whatever the case may be, and and give them something else. But, um. People will be inclined to buy new gear, and I think I think that'll happen. Um, but people are still going to wear Redskins hats and jerseys and sweatshirts and things of that nature all all around. That's not going to change. Um, you know, the the team is just changing their changing their look. So, really, I think that's uh, a small concern. But um, you know, I don't know if this will. Actually, that's all I have to say. I, I lost my train of thought there. So. Basically, you know, it's I, – I, again, I see what you're saying, but I think naturally people are going to say, well, I'm just going to wear my Redskins jersey or I'm just going to wear my Redskins hat. Um, I'm not going to go out and spend, you know, $300 on new gear for whatever this new team will be called. Um, so I, I think people use common sense with that, and they'll either say um, – you know, I'm going to just wear my old gear or I'm, I'm going to go out and buy new stuff. I think it'll be 50, 50 really at the end of the day. Yeah. So D Dan, let me ask you a random question here. Um, sure. If this name change goes through, how much will Sean Taylor Jersey be worth? Oh man, that is, I have no idea. <laughs> I, I, I've heard a lot. I've heard a lot like, on Twitter saying, keep your Sean Taylor Jersey, because that's going to be worth a lot if this name changes. Yeah. I, I'd be willing to bet. I mean, you have one of the most legendary players of the last 15 years of that franchise. And, um, you know, he basically, he was a Redskin for life. He was probably going to be, I don't know. The Redskins mishandle things in their front office. So who knows if they would have, uh, would have signed him, you know, for, for life or whatever. But, um, yeah, that's that. That's a great point. I don't even know, man. I don't even want to speculate how much his jersey would cost. <laughs> <laughs> but um, 
but yeah. certainly a number, certainly a number that I can't afford and I can't take out of my bank account. So uh, that's that's all I'm going to say. Yeah, it, Sean Taylor was spectacular back in the day, but our contributor here, Dan Dembski, still doesn't think he should go uh, in the Washington Ring of Honor. Well, what are no, your thoughts on no, this? No, 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 that, no, no that's <laughs> not what I said. No, I said he's, his number shouldn't be retired. He he can go in the Ring of Honor. That's fine. That's fine. I we had this discussion already on Twitter and Facebook Messenger and Facebook and texting. I I told you my opinion. <laughs> and really, I. I'm, I'm, I'll, we'll save it for another podcast where I can I can go in depth about why I why I feel that he shouldn't have his number retired, but he should be in the Ring of Honor. I, I think that's that's a no brainer. Um, what he was able to accomplish in just a short amount of time with the franchise, and when you say Washington Redskins, a lot of people's minds, especially people who are our age, um, goes directly to Sean Taylor because that's who we got to see growing up, um, and that's who we thought of when we thought of the Redskins, um, or I guess. Well, no, I, I wouldn't say RG3 because, well, maybe. Maybe you think about the bad side and you think about RG3. RG3 so. was like either, a one and done, sort of. Yeah. Yeah. And, that, but, and that's, I think, what then would people think about that. So, and I think, I mean, yeah. You I know mean, how I'll I feel never, Yeah, I'll never forget uh, when RG3 turned the two and six season and ran the table and ended up 10 and six, but you know, he got injured, but that, that was a great moment. But other than that, like you said, Sean Taylor, Redskins that I, I mean, you, you put the two together. He was historic there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no doubt. And I never said he shouldn't be in the ring of honor. I said he shouldn't have his number retired. I'd like to clarify that. Yeah. Uh, yeah I, I, that was my mistake. I do apologize. Oh, it's all good. I just don't want you putting putting uh, shade on my name. That's all. Um, <laughs> shade on Dan Dembski's name. We're all good. We're all good. Uh, I think I think we're understood. So. <laughs> yeah, well, we just don't want to have a falling out over this podcast, and then we say a bunch of stuff we don't mean to say and whatnot, and then curse each other out. All this, all that, and be like, that never "Oh, Sean, that never that. <laughs> oh, you know, <laughs> you know, you know, you know." But yeah. Uh, yeah, that, that's about everything we have covered. We took you all the way around the league, pretty much the NBA, the NHL, MLB and the NFL. So a lot covered. We have more on the other end of this, but before we go, Dan, thanks once again for joining us on the podcast. Um, are there any last words for the fans of my friend? It's good to be back, sort of. Um, hoping to make this a more regular thing. I know I haven't been as good about being on the podcast and um, really appreciate all your guys' support and listening to the podcast and, and interacting with us on social media. And um, just just very fortunate. Thank you, guys. Continue to support Josh and, and everything he does. He does a great job. And, um, you know, I, I hope to be on every single week. Hopefully I can you know, get in a routine where I can do that. So that's all I want to say. I want, I want to apologize for not being around as much. And I want to say, I hope to continue to contribute a lot for the podcast because it's, it's, a, it's a really good, really, really good. And it's a lot of fun to do. So thank you. Yeah. I've been, I've been getting a lot of emails, uh, hate mail saying, why isn't Dan on your podcast? And I'm like, I don't <laughs> yeah. know. Ask him. <laughs> you got a lot of, you got, you got a lot of angry fans. <laughs> They're jumping Absolutely. in my inbox. Yeah. Uh, 
<laughs> yeah, but appreciate the kind words, Dan. As always, uh, contributor Dan Dembski here on the Kirby on Sports podcast. We'll continue the podcast right after this. You're listening to JK Sports. All right. Welcome back to Kirby on Sports Podcast. Pleased to be joined by a special guest um, from Last Chance U. If you haven't heard of Last Chance U, it's the Netflix original documentary taking you inside small town college football teams. Essentially, players' last chances um, to get to the NFL or wherever they're trying to go. Um and Jeff um, was recently featured on season three and four as the radio broadcaster for the Independence Community College Pirates out of Independence, Kansas. So um, l- let's bring him on right now. Jeff, it's great to hear from you, sir. Um, hopefully you are staying safe during these tough times. Um, how are things going, sir? I'll tell you, Josh, first off, thanks for having me on the show. I appreciate it. Um, you know, things are, are fine. I'm blessed, thankful, you know, uh, health-wise, everything's good with myself and my family. And, um, you know, I, I work through a health care facility uh, just a few miles from where I live. So, you know, during this COVID crisis, um, you know, it's it's been tough for everybody. But, uh, you know what, it's Things are good. For the most part, I don't have anything to complain about. I'm just thankful to be here. Yeah, absolutely. We're all thankful. I'm thankful. So, um, and once again, thank you for being in the um healthcare profession. You are a frontline worker, and I appreciate all healthcare workers who do what they do during these times. So, um, it it's been in the past a couple years, but like last chance you one of the best productions I've ever seen on Netflix and you had the chance to call their games. So, um, first off, Jeff, I want to get your sense on, um, did you know about last chance you? And if you did, what was your reaction when you realized that they were coming to independence, Kansas to film, independence community college for not one but two seasons well first off you know i did know what last chance you was prior to him coming to independence um you know i watched it during seasons one and two with east mississippi and you know i love the series uh greg whiteley and his crew um which do the production and the filming and everything of it and put it all together and make the magic come to life on the screen you know i just you know, blessed to be a part of that. But uh, I think the thing is, is, you know, it was so impressive that once they came to independence, because, you know, first off, I wasn't expecting them to come. I had heard rumors they were going to come. Uh, All of a sudden, one day I hear, hey, they're out on campus, they're filming, they're doing this, they're doing that. And it just got caught up in the whirlwind, Josh, quite honestly. And I think that was the thing. It it was like they blew in out of nowhere, you know, and all of a sudden here is Hollywood cameras up and down the streets of Independence, Kansas, filming everything. And and people knew, of course, what Last Chance You was, and they knew it's a world-famous show. And uh, it's watched all over the world by millions of people. And now all of a sudden they're filming in our town. 
Um, and that was almost surreal, I think, for a lot of people, including myself at first. Yeah, so um, what was it like? Like, did it change anything on campus or anything? Did it change? Like, I know you call the football games. I'm not sure how close you were to the team, but did it change the attitudes of some of the players or anything like that? Well, I think, you know, when the cameras first got there, and I imagine it was the same for East Mississippi in their first season, when they started filming is, you know, a lot of these players, of course, they're young kids, young grownups, I should say, in their teens, and they've got these cameras around them, following them everywhere they go. So it does change, I think, how you prepare, you know, practice and, you know, just your makeup and mental mindset to play the game of football because you're a young person and you're involved in all these cameras everywhere. And you know, about the show and you know it's going to be shown all over the world and basically you're going to be plugged in to uh, mainstream social media and you're going to be an iconic figure and i think that's the thing that some of these guys can't handle that real well some of them handle it real well like some of the d1 bounce back guys the guys that transfer in from division one programs for whatever the reason to only be there for maybe one season to play at the JUCO level. Um, you know, they can adapt to it a little easier because they've been around cameras in a bigger stage and audience, you know, at the Big 12, SEC, Big 10, whatever it is. So they can adapt easier to it. But it does change some things, I think, initially. Now, for the coaching staff and uh, for myself, it didn't change anything. I just appreciated the fact that I could see it all happening and see how it was being put together and be a part of it. That was really cool for me. Um, and it was something, you know, that, um, again, it was a once in a lifetime opportunity and I'm, I'm really thankful I had a chance to do it. Yeah. So some of the players that were featured included Malik Henry, the, um, quarterback, um, he transferred out of L. Uh, FSU, Florida State University, excuse me, but um, had some troubles there. Other um, big-name players that were mentioned, Carlos Thompson, Kingston Davis, Emmett Gooden, and Kerry Buckmaster. Um, out of those names or any more, um, after those two seasons were up for Last Chance U in Indy, um, do you know of any players who made the bounce back to a D1 college and or made it pro? Well, you know, we've had a lot of those guys go on to D1 colleges once they leave independence. I mean, you know, we're averaging, you know, 35 to 40 kids signing every year since last chance you was there that goes on to D1. Um, we have guys that are playing now in the NFL, Delrick Abrams, who was a cornerback for us uh, during the Last Chance U series. Um, he went to Colorado for two years, played there, and then uh, he made the team for the Atlanta Falcons. So he's going to be with the Falcons this next year. So that's pretty exciting for us. Um, you know, and, and Rakeem Boyd, who is the running back for the Arkansas Razorbacks, he's at his senior year this year big things expected from him uh, he could potentially go late first round second round in the nfl draft so you know we're going to see some guys from independence community college you know playing on sundays on the big screen for everybody and 
uh, and it's exciting for me because, you know, I'm pretty close to the coaches and the players and, um, you know, I've got to know a lot of these guys and it's just great to see them elevate to the next level that they're all trying to get to. Yeah, that's great insight there. So um, I want to get your take. The first season when Last Chance you came in, Indy had a spectacular season. Uh, one game in particular, the um, rivalry between Coach Jason Brown and Jeff Sims of Garden City. That was a matchup in the books. We've seen it on Netflix. Um, and they actually beat them the first year. And the second year, um, not so great of a season and ended up um, tempers flaring over between the two coaches. Just one point there with that rivalry but other than that what what was your takeaway from the the season that was in the first season when they were there they were doing so well and then um turning around and they're not doing so well um what what were your takes on those two seasons well, obviously, the first season, which was season three in the Netflix series of Last Chance U, yeah, it was a great year. It was a dream season. You know, eight and two, we go uh, in the regular season. We also win our first bowl game ever. Um, you know, we're conference champions. Uh, head coach Jason Brown, the former head coach for the Pirates, he was the Jayhawk Conference Coach of the Year. So everything went right for us that year. Plus, Netflix was filming us. So it was a rags to riches uh, story, you know, and a dream come true. And I think we kind of became the media darlings for everybody all over the world that watched the show because, I mean, we were that story of, you know, the underdog coming out of nowhere and being so uh, poor football team over the years leading up to the last couple, three years. And now all of a sudden, we've become a powerhouse and we're recognized across the country as one of the top programs. So that was a great year. That was something you could only dream of. And then the second season of Netflix, which is season four for the pirates, we go two and eight, which is in a complete flip flop of the year before, which obviously is hugely disappointing to us and the players and the coaches and everybody. And, and then also then, Head coach Jason Brown at the time, he ends up resigning um, after that year. So everything just went a complete 180 on us in the wrong direction. I mean, we were riding high, and then all of a sudden the rug was pulled out from under us, and we came crashing back down. And that was hard to accept because I knew, of course, it's being filmed on Netflix for Last Chance You, and everybody's going to see it that second season, and after – watching us the first season, it's going to be a tremendous letdown. And, um, and it was, it was very disappointing. Yeah. So, um, you were in the booth. Tell, tell us about that rivalry between coach Brown and coach Sims, um, during those two, um, matchups. Well, you know, they are, it is, I guess, kind of a personal rivalry between them two because they've been coaches together. Uh, coach Brown was at Garden City as an assistant coach under Coach Sims before coming to Independence. So that's kind of where the rivalry, I guess, takes place between those two guys. Um, I think they're, you know, they're both very good coaches, um, you know, and, you know, a lot of times you have guys that are great leaders and stuff. They, um, 
they have a way of doing it only their their way. And a lot of people don't agree with it, but, you know, that's what makes them who they are. And I think, you know, the rivalry they had was just because the fact that they both hated to lose so bad that um, they became very competitive with each other. So, you know, you would see that and you, you could hear some of the comments, you know, made and stuff during the show. But I think, you know, whether those guys probably want to admit it or not, there's a certain degree of respect that goes along, you know, with each other as well. So um, the rivalry really was just between, you know, Jason Brown and Jeff Sims, if you will, um, you know, just because that got created from the Independence Garden City games. But, you know, Garden City really has never been a rival for Independence until Coach Brown came to Independence during the last chance you. Yeah, yeah, I, I do remember hearing about that as well. So um, uh, Independence, Kansas, um, most people have probably never heard of it. Um, with Last Chance You coming on set, do you think um, it put a name for Independence, Kansas, and did it put Independence Community College on the map? And do you think it brought the community of Independence closer together? Well, to start with, it certainly put Independence, Kansas and Independence Community College on the map. It put us on the map across the world because, again, watching Last Chance U, the popularity of that show thrust us into the spotlight. And everybody knows at least who Independence, Kansas and the Independence Dream U Pirates. They know who they are. Um, you know, I think it brought a lot of notoriety to the town of Independence because a lot of people came from all over the country. Some flew in from Europe, uh, different parts of the world for that matter, believe it or not, just to come to a game in Independence to watch the filming of Last Chance You and be around that, you know, live. So it brought notoriety all the way around for Independence. Um, you know, as far as <laughs> you might hit me again with the latter part of that question, Josh, but um, do I do I think what now as far as the the town itself or do, do you think it brought the town closer together oh, as right. a community? <laughs> yeah, um, to be honest with you, and that's a really good question. I don't know if it really brought them any closer. I think you know, to a certain degree, there, there was a little bit of a divide temporarily because you had some people that were uh, fiercely loyal to Coach Brown um, and the program as it was, and then you had some people that weren't, and they didn't like either Coach Brown, you know, the way he was as a coach. Uh, here's a guy that comes in from California. He's not from this part of the country, and, you know, he's kind of bigger than life, if you will, because when you're getting filmed on a, a show like Last Chance You, it is bigger than life. I mean, it's it's the worldwide stage, and these cameras are running all over town and, and you know, filming different segments and so forth. And, and I think as exciting as it is uh, for a lot of people in independence, for others, um, they almost deemed it like a threat to a certain degree because it was like an invasion of the privacy to come into a small town and, and to put it on the worldwide stage on TV. So I think it was great. I think it was a great opportunity. I'm thankful that they picked independence because, you know, again, 
it's a cool little town in Kansas. Um, now I think everybody across the world knows at least kind of something about it, and they probably found a little bit of the charm of independence somewhere in the show. Absolutely. That is, that is great insight. So um, before we wrap this segment up, um, are you still with the team uh, covering independence? Yes, I am. Um, this will be my 19th season coming up. Um, hopefully, if we have football, depending on what the, the COVID virus allows us to do. And um, I've the last thing I heard, and I actually just heard it today, it sounds like they're really pushing hard to try to start the junior college football season this coming spring. So planning on moving the football season clear until March. Wow, that that is very interesting. So are there any uh, coaching staff or players that were featured on Last Chance U that are still with the program that you know of? Well, you know, Coach, head coach Kiyoshi Harris uh, for the Pirates, um, you know, he was a former assistant coach and offensive coordinator, and he moved into the head coaching job uh, this past season. And, of course, the Pirates were conference champions again in his first year and went eight and two. Um, so he is back. And uh, Jason Martin, the defensive coordinator, um, he's been at Independence now, I believe, going on five years. So, um, you know, we're excited to have him back. Uh, Keith Donerson, uh, one of the assistant coaches and also one of the strength coaches, he is back again. So there's at least three coaches that we've retained um, that have longtime ties, at least several years anyway now, with independence when Coach Brown came over. So, you know, going on about four years now. That That's so great to hear so um jeff let's just hop on a quick bunny trail um yeah it wouldn't be my type of podcast if i didn't ask you about what's it like calling football games how'd you get into the business and um what's it like on a game night for you calling a football game you know i started out just um i dropped a, a demo tape by local radio station and they evidently liked it enough. They gave me a chance to do high school football, which I did for several years before I started um, doing the Independence Pirate uh, Junior College games. And then ultimately, um, you know, my son, Kane Carpenter, was doing the high school games with me as the color commentator. And then he took over the head play-by-play. -play, and then I moved on to the junior college. And, you know, I've been doing that ever since. So I kind of overlapped there for a while with high school and JUCO. So I was doing games Saturday night and Friday night as well in basketball and football. But, um, you know, it's, that's just kind of how I got into it. And, you know, then one thing led to another. And, um, you know, like I say, it's, it's been a cool hobby for me, but it wasn't something I went to school for. I don't have a communications degree or anything like that. I don't have any formal training, quite honestly. Um, I just listened to a lot of games growing up. I've played sports forever, and, you know, and some things just you resonate with, and I think it's like for anybody, um, you know, sometimes we're meant to do things, and things come a little easier to us, but it's great for me being up in the box. I mean, you know, 
what I do is unscripted, Josh. I don't have any notes or anything like that when I do my broadcast, other than statistics and stuff, of course. But um, I just roll with it. You know, I basically tell my listeners what I see, and I just try to paint the picture for them. And, um, you know, it's it's great for me because it keeps me in the game, keeps me, you know, close to the coaches and the players and, you know, and all that kind of stuff. And, and at the same time, you know, I enjoy doing the play-by-play. And, you know, like I say, hopefully I've got a few more years to go and, you know, we'll just see how it goes. But, yeah, it's cool, man. There's nothing like – college football you know that's that's a really exciting thing and i think it's really cool that father and son duo at the in the broadcast booth at the same time i i don't think i've ever heard anything like that before i'll tell you what man that's what kept me in to broadcasting because my son kane started at the same time i did so he started way back when he was early stage of high school and um, that was kind of our father and son time together, especially when we'd go on like road trips, you know, we'd drive, you know, hour and a half or so away to out of town games. We get to talk about the games, go into it, do the games in the box together, come back home, talk about how it went, you know, so that was our guy time. And, you know, that's really what kept me into radio, Josh. I mean, if, if he wouldn't have been with me, I don't know if I would have stayed with it, quite honestly, because you have to have something that gives you the desire and the determination to do it. And that was just one of those things. I was like, you know, how many other dads can say that their son really doesn't mind hanging out with them? And here we are doing games together and stuff, you know, so that was cool. Uh, it really was. And, um, you know, like I say, he does a great job now doing the play-by-play for the high school game. So I'm re- I'm really proud of him. That That's so great to hear, Jeff. That is really, really great to hear. Great story. Great insight all around from Independence Community College. Once again, Jeff Carpenter featured on Netflix original series, Last Chance You from Independence Community College. Jeff, I want to thank you so much for your time today, sir. Hey, Josh, I appreciate your show, man. Thanks for having me on, and uh, stay well, everybody out there. Go Pirates. The Kirby on Sports Podcast will continue right after this. That about wraps it up for episode 81 of the Kirby on Sports podcast. Thanks to Dan Dembski for calling in on the earlier segment and to Jeff Carpenter from the Netflix original Last Chance You. Great to hear from both of them in a great interview by Jeff Carpenter. As always, we are part of the Mayo Please podcast network anchor.fm slash mayo please we are proud to be sponsored by regroup building services we do the honeydews that your honey don't and by pm plus reserves now expanding their territory to serve the i-81 corridor between hagerstown maryland and stanton virginia Thanks, as always, to MPT Now Productions, Dave Johnson, and JR Beats Official. You can check us out anywhere you can find podcasts. Until the next episode, we say so long and peace out. Oh, 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 oh.